guys, it's Brittany. As most of my friends know, Halloween is my favorite holiday. So today I'm going to bring you an episode of Holiday Traditions and History. The champagne choice for today comes from Tara. She's picked a Mionetto Prosecco Dock Brut Sparkling White Wine, which sells for about $15.99 at jewel stores. Drink up! Hey guys, welcome back to Champagne and Murder, Please. It's just me today for today's tiny episode, so I hope you still enjoy it. Today I'm talking about the history of Halloween. My sources are history.com and time.com. Halloween is a holiday celebrated each year on October 31st. The tradition originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints. Soon, All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of Samhain. The evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. Over time, Halloween evolved into a day of activities like trick-or-treating, carving jack-o'-lanterns, festive gatherings, donning costumes, and eating treats. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, UK, Northern France, and I've also heard Scotland, celebrated their New Year on November 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest at the beginning of the dark, cold winter time of year that was often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the New Year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to the earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for Druids or Celtic priests to make predictions of the future. For a people entirely dependent on a volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long dark winter. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening, from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. By 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of 400 years, they had ruled Celtic lands. Two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebrations of Samhain. The first was Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple and the incorporation of this celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. It was May 13th in the year 609 that Pope Boniface IV declared a celebration called All Saints Day, also called All Hallows or All Hallowments in Middle English. The day before it was thus known as All Hallows Eve, as History.com explains. The festival was a day to honor Christian martyrs and saints. Later, the mid-8th century, Pope Gregory III strategically moved the celebration to November 1st, coinciding with the time Samhain would have typically been held. The homage paid to martyrs and saints who passed 
closely paralleled the appeasement of ghosts of the dead during Samhain. The church's capitalization on Samhain traditions didn't end there, however. Participants in the new version of the holiday celebrated in much the same manner as the Celtic forebears had, with bonfires and costumes that reflected the spiritual and otherworldly. The offering of food and goods to protect themselves from spirits and ancestral ghosts became offerings of food and drink to the poor, displays of generosity and goodwill. And the tricks and pranks attributed to otherworldly and evil spirits manifested themselves in the spirit of the saints. Eventually, All Hallows Eve evolved into Halloween, becoming more popular in secular culture than All Saints Day. The pagan turned Christian practices of dressing up in costume, playing pranks, and handing out offerings had evolved into popular traditions even for those who may not believe in otherworldly spirits or saints. However, whether Halloween celebrants know it or not, they're following the legacy of the ancient Celts who, with the Festival of Samhain, celebrated the inevitability of death and rebirth. Halloween comes to America. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief systems there. Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, and dance and sing. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These new immigrants, especially the millions of Irish fleeing the Irish potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. Although there is much debate around the origins of trick-or-treating, generally there are three theories. The first theory suggests that during Samhain, Celtic people would leave food out to appease the spirits traveling the earth at night. Over time, people began to dress as these unearthly beings in exchange for similar offerings of food and drink. The second theory speculates that the candy boon stems from the Scottish practice of guising, which is a secular version of souling. During the Middle Ages, generally children and poor adults would collect food and money from local homes in return for prayers for the dead on All Souls Day. Geysers dropped the prayers in favor of non-religious practices with the inclusion of songs, jokes, and other tricks. A third theory argues that modern American trick-or-treating stems from besnickling, a German-American Christmas tradition where children would dress in costume and then call on their neighbors to see if the adults could guess the identities of the disguised. In one version of the practice, the children were rewarded with food or other treats if no one could identify them. Borrowing from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go to houses asking for food or money, a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Young women believed that on Halloween they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. 
parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of the Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. By the 1920s and 1930s, Halloween had become a secular but community-centered holiday, with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the featured entertainment. Despite the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandalism began to plague some celebrations in many communities during this time. By the 1950s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly at the young. Due to the high numbers of young children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from town civic centers into the classroom or home where they could be more easily accommodated. Between 1920 and 1950, the centuries-old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived. Trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for an entire community to share the Halloween celebration. In theory, families could also prevent tricks being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with small treats. Thus, a new American tradition was born and it has continued to grow. Today, Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. The American Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to the early All Souls Day parades in England. During the festivities, poor citizens would beg for food and families would give them pastries called soul cakes in return for their promise to pray for the family's dead relatives. The distribution of soul cakes was encouraged by the church as a way to replace the ancient practice of leaving food and wine for roaming spirits. The practice, which was referred to as going a-souling, was eventually taken up by children who would visit the houses of their neighborhood and be given ale, food, and money. The tradition of dressing in costume for Halloween has both European and Celtic roots. Hundreds of years ago, winter was an uncertain and frightening time. Food supplies often ran low, and for many people afraid of the dark, the short days of winter were full of constant worry. On Halloween, when it was believed that ghosts came back to the earthly world, people thought it would, they would encounter ghosts if they left their homes. To avoid being recognized by these ghosts, people would wear masks when they left their homes after dark so the ghosts would mistake them for fellow spirits. On Halloween, to keep ghosts away from their houses, people would place bowls of food outside their homes to appease the ghosts and prevent them from attempting to enter. Halloween has always been a holiday filled with mystery, magic, and superstition. It began as a Celtic festival during which people felt especially close to deceased relatives and friends. For these friendly spirits, they set places at the dinner table, left treats on doorsteps and along the side of the road, and lit candles to help loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. Today's Halloween ghosts are often depicted as more fearsome and malevolent, and our customs and superstitions are scarier too. We avoid crossing paths with black cats, afraid that they might bring us bad luck. This idea has its roots in the Middle Ages, when many people believed that witches avoided detection by turning themselves into black cats. We try not to walk under ladders for the same reason. This superstition may have come from the ancient Egyptians, who believed that triangles were sacred. It also may have something to do with the fact that walking under a leaning ladder tends to be fairly unsafe. And around Halloween, especially, we try to avoid breaking mirrors, stepping on cracks in the road, or spilling salt. But what about the Halloween traditions and beliefs that today's trick-or-treaters have forgotten all about? Many of these obsolete rituals focused on the future instead of the past and the living instead of the dead. In particular, many had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands and reassuring them that they would someday, with luck, by next Halloween, 
be married. In 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. In Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding, the story went, represents the girl's future husband. In some versions of the legend, the opposite was true. The nut that burned away symbolized a love that would not last. Another tale had it that if a young woman ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before bed on Halloween night, she would dream about her future husband. Young women tossed apple peels over their shoulders, hoping the peels would fall on the floor in the shape of their future husband's initials. Tried to learn about their futures by peering at egg yolks floating in a bowl of water, and stood in front of mirrors in darkened rooms, holding candles and looking over their shoulders for their husbands' faces. Other rituals were more competitive. At some Halloween parties, the first guest to find a burr on a chestnut hunt would be the first to marry. At others, the first successful apple bobber would be the first down the aisle. Of course, whether we're asking for romantic advice or trying to avoid seven years of bad luck, each one of these Halloween superstitions relies on the goodwill of the very same spirits whose presence the early Celts felt so keenly. The tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland using turnips instead of pumpkins. It is allegedly based on a legend about a man named Stingy Jack who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. But when Jack died, he learned that heaven did not want his soul either, so he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lump of coal and in a carved-out turnip to light his way. Locals eventually began carving scary faces into their own turnips to frighten away evil spirits. In order to avoid being terrorized by all the evil spirits walking the earth during Samhain, the Celts donned disguises so that they would not be mistaken for spirits themselves and be left alone. The traditional Halloween colors of black and orange also trace back to the Celtic festival of Samhain. For the Celts, black represented the death of summer, while the orange symbolized the autumn harvest season. The game of bobbing for apples has been the staple at Halloween parties for many years, but its origins are more rooted in love and romance. The game traces back to a courting ritual that was part of a Roman festival honoring Pomona, the goddess of agriculture and abundance. While multiple versions existed, the gist was that young men and women would be able to predict their future relationships based on the game. When the Romans conquered the British Isles in 43 AD, the Pomona festival blended with the similarly timed Samhain and precursor to Halloween. Playing pranks often varies by region, but the pre-Halloween tradition known as Devil's Night is created, credited to a different origin depending on the source. Some say that pranks started as a part of May Day celebrations, but Samhain and eventually All Souls Day also included good-natured mischief. When Irish and Scottish immigrants came to America, they brought with them the tradition of celebrating Mischief Night as part of Halloween. For much of the early history of Halloween, towering bonfires were used to light the way for souls seeking the afterlife. These days, lighting candles have generally replaced the large tradition, traditional blazes. For centuries, people have been coating fruit in syrup as a means of preservation. But during the Roman festival of Pomona, the goddess was often represented by and associated with apples. Her name derives from the Latin word for apple, palmum, and the fruit is at the heart of the harvest celebrations. It is believed that candy apples were invented accidentally in 1908 by William W. Cole, a candy maker in Newark, New Jersey. 
As the story goes, Kolb was experimenting with red cinnamon candy to sell at Christmas time, and he dipped apples on sticks into the red glaze and placed them in his shop window to showcase his new candy. But instead of selling the candies, he ended up selling the apples to customers who thought they looked good enough to eat. They became fashionable treats for Halloween starting in the early 1900s, and they remained popular up until the 1970s. Bats were likely present at the earliest proto-Halloween celebrations, not just symbolically, but literally. As a part of Samhain, Celts lit large bonfires which attracted insects, which in turn attracted bats. Soon spotting bats became connected with the festival. Medieval folklore expanded upon the eeriness of bats with a number of superstitions built around the belief that bats were harbingers of death. The act of going door-to-door for handouts has long been a part of Halloween revelries, but until the mid-20th century, the treats children received were not necessarily candy. Things like fruits, nuts, coins, and toys were just as likely to be given out. Trick-or-treating rose in popularity in the 1950s and it inspired candy companies to market small, individually wrapped candies. People began to favor the confections out of convenience, but candy did not dominate at the exclusion of all other treats until the 1970s, when parents started fearing anything wrapped. A candy maker in the Wonderl Candy Company in Philadelphia is sometimes credited with inventing the tricolored candy in the 1880s, but candy corn did not become a widespread sensation until Golitz Company brought the candy to the masses in 1898. Candy corn was originally called chicken feed, and it sold in boxes with the slogan, something worth crowing for. Initially, it was just an autumnal candy because of corn's association with harvest time. Candy corn later became Halloween-specific when trick-or-treating grew in popularity in the U.S. during the 1950s. However you celebrate Halloween or Samhain, just be sure you have fun and be safe. We here at Champion and Murder Please hope you have all the best of a Hallow's Eve. Until next time, stay safe and don't take candy from strangers. Goodbye. Mark and I will be back later this week for an episode about haunted houses. Stay tuned.